Shan Riggs, welcome to the Trails Collective interview series. You have a pretty big event coming up, and so we want to talk about that, but uh, you also have a very extensive ultra running list. You are a beacon here on the East Coast, so uh, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you. What are you been up to today? It is 10 a.m., so we're starting early. Uh, yeah, so basically the last few weeks have just been planning, planning, planning. Um, for this big run and uh i'm moving out of my apartment and getting everything ready to go into living in a van so everything oh, so has to you actually you're actually just like are you going to do van life like because this is going to take you so shan is going to run across the country everybody and we're going to talk about that a little bit later so to wet your palate that's coming later but um so shan is also going to move into a van during this time it's going to take about three to four months so you just decided to move out of your apartment in this time? Yep. So might as well save some money. And uh, you know, there's not. I'm in events marketing. There's not a lot of work right now. So I'm taking the opportunity to do van life and road life. <laughs> yeah. So um, I read Shan works for uh, Hartford Marathon events. Yes. I did. That uh, not anymore since we don't have any events. Uh, there's no more work for me. Okay. So uh, I got caught up in the COVID disaster uh, and I'm going to take the opportunity to try to do something positive with it. Yeah. I mean, you are also going to raise money for a food bank, right? Um, for this endurance yeah. run. Food share is the, is the charity. Food share is the main uh, deliverer of food in central Connecticut. Uh, and I've actually been working with them for, almost a couple of years now. Uh, and uh, so we're going to try to see what we can to do as much good as we can. Okay. Um, so I was reading a little bit on your blog and you, um, which has been updated since 2015 because then you were living in Chicago. So what, why did you move from Chicago to Hart to uh, Hartford? So I um, actually moved from Chicago and then I was living in Long Beach, uh, then actually lived in, in my little RV van for about nine months. Uh, and then to to Connecticut to work with the Hartford Marathon Foundation uh, starting beginning of last year. Oh, all right. Cool. I've done van life for about seven months, and it was very hard. So you doing it long term, <laughs> especially those uh, Connecticut winters, probably aren't that fun, are they? <laughs> yeah, we we drove all over the place. So uh, I, I, it's a good time. It's just hard when you don't know where you're going to be every night. <laughs> yeah, it's a little bit of that underlying anxiety. That was the worst part for me. <laughs> But yeah, uh, the same. you seem to be a little bit more of an adjusted ultra runner so that like uh, uh, the uh, unaware of what you're going to be doing or what you'll see, it probably isn't that big of a deal to you considering you're going to be running across the country. <laughs> so let's start at the beginning though. Your first ultra was in 2006 and it was the Chicago Lakefront 50 miler. So why did you decide to do your first ultra and had you been a runner and were you doing um races before that? Um casually, I, I think like a lot of people I had uh I'd ran one marathon and thought, "Oh, that I'm done with that. That was really painful." Um you know, check that box. Uh and then a few years after that I ran, I think like a lot of people I read uh, Dean Karnazes book ultra marathon man and and uh got inspired by that and thought you know what maybe i can do that that sounds like something plausible uh and uh ran my first race and found out it might actually be even competitive uh and kind of went from there 
All right. So how did the first race go? Did you, I think I read you, did you run about like eight and a half hours or? I, I can't remember what my first 50 was. Um, I think, I remember I got in top 10 uh, as far as place goes and that inspired me and I kept going back to that race year after year until I finally won it a few years later. So um, that was my backyard for a long time was in Chicago. And so, I want to do that someday. It looks really like it looks flat and fast, kind of like I, you, what I like. If you want to run a fast 50, Chicago is a good spot to do it. So uh, the, I always, I did well as long as Oz Perlman didn't show up and then he would come and crush everybody and run it in like five hours. <laughs> All right. Well, um, your next one, your next ultra was a hundred miler. So you jumped right in. And what yeah. made you decide to go from 50 to hundred so fast? Well, I think, like literally it was like less than six months. Yeah. Well, my goal was, from the beginning was to move up to bigger distances. That first one really crushed me, uh, over 33 hours and, uh, thought I was going to die. Uh, <laughs> Why? A, lot of, a lot of tears, a lot of tears, a lot of blood, uh, very, very hilly course and thought I was in shape for it, but, uh, learned halfway through that I was not. Uh, ended up with very, very swollen legs and, and, uh, just, just a, just a, a crying mess, <laughs> mm-hmm. but, it, but I finished and it was great. And then you did uh, and, another one six months later. So yeah. it must have not been that bad. Yeah. Well, in nine years later, I ran that same race, Potawatomi, uh, and it went from 33 hours to 19 hours. Uh, oh. and, uh, so it, it, it just shows like what we're capable of uh, if you practice long enough. So. Sure. Did you run in high school and college? I did cross country and track, but I wasn't very good. I was, uh, you know, maybe the top third in the state. So, uh, you know, certainly wasn't a superstar or anything like that. So, but I've discovered that I was, the longer the race is, the more competitive I'm able to be because I'm not very fast, but I can just keep going. <laughs> How many marathons have you done? Did you do before you did the first fifty? I think just the one, if I remember right. So. And have you done any since, or just ultras? I've done a few. I guess I have done. I've done a handful. So I, there was a time I was doing a few to qualify for Boston. So I did that oh. once. Ran Boston two thousand nine. Oh okay. And have you run Hartford? I have not. So I worked. Did I talk to you at all last year? Uh, I don't remember. I don't think so. Are you the social media person? Uh, I I did our sponsorship. So um, we had Liz Cowles uh, does our social media. Okay, because I don't know. I, I don't know. I met so many people. I don't know that. Like it was an ama- It was an amazing race. Obviously, <laughs> like, best, best of my life. So um, that's that's this, pretty neat. How did you land that job? Uh, well, I have a background in sponsorship marketing, uh, and uh, I've worked with festivals, museums, causes, um, races, anything where has a lot of people uh, and where brands uh, want to engage people, um, which is why I have some time on my hand because uh, since we don't have any events right now, I'm creating my own. <laughs> where have you worked previously before Hartford? Uh, primarily I work with a consulting company called IEG. So we're sponsorship.com uh, and that was out of Chicago. Um, but then over the years worked in a few other places too. Okay, cool. So you, do you, are you a little bit of a nomad? 
I get I have been the last few years, um, not necessarily intentionally, but uh, but here we go. I have enjoyed van life, and I've lived on the West Coast a few times for a few years. So this uh, the this cross country run in part is connecting a a lot of different places I've lived, and you know, the one nice thing about live having lived everywhere is I have friends all over the country. So it'll be uh, uh, fun to see everybody. Sure. So have you always had the same van? Uh, I bought the van 2018 uh, and actually been renting it out. It's been very popular during these times because it's one of the few things that people can do. Uh, so uh, it's actually what I'm waiting on. Um, as soon as I get my van back, that's when I'll get it and then start to head out west. So I'm hoping that the current renter doesn't damage it or anything because I really need it. <laughs> So did you buy it already built out or did you build it out, build it out yourself? Yeah, it was a road trick. So I'm not, I'm not that uh, capable of building something on my own. <laughs> and inside it's completely fitted and everything. Do you have solar panels? Yep. Solar panels on the roof, uh, you know, bed, fridge, whole kitchen, two burner stove. So it's got every bathroom, everything that you'd have in a normal house, just teeny, teeny, tiny. It's like tiny house life. <laughs> tiny house life. So. One of the nice things about getting a van compared to other RVs is you could park it anywhere. Yes. That's one of the, the key attractions is it fits in a normal parking spot. Just barely. <laughs> Can you stand up in it? Yeah. Yeah. It's okay. about, the whole thing's about 10 feet tall. That was, that was one of the things. I couldn't stand up. That, that'd be rough. <laughs> yeah. But it was a good experience for me, I think. Um, it did make me tougher, you know, because I built mine out. So... I learned like a lot of different things and I don't know if I've retained anything, but you know, whenever I don't think I can do something hard, I'm like, well, I lived in a van, so I think I can do something hard. <laughs> well, you're more capable than me. I, I, there's no way I could have built this out. It would have taken me decades. <laughs> so uh, other notable things you uh, did, and I read this on your blog, because this is the reason the blog was started, was in 2008, you ran 195 miles in the Metal for Metals. Can you explain to me what that is? And what, what went down? Yeah, so I've uh, volunteered for this charity, Metals for Metal, for uh, for quite some time. So we take medals, mostly donated from races, and they clean them up, put new ribbons on them, and get, give them out typically at children's hospitals. Um, so kids can get a medal for you know having medal and showing showing their toughness. And at the time, it was the charity was just in uh, Indianapolis and Chicago. And so we did this uh, basically 200 mile run uh, as sort of a, as a fundraiser, but also to get publicity just to point out so that people are aware of the charity. Uh, and it worked pretty well. We did tons of interviews in Chicago on the road, uh, you know, raised a bunch of money. Uh, and so that was, that was a lot of fun. And that was kind of the first template of realizing that you can do these, you know, a crazy run expedition and, and leverage that to get, uh, you know, raise money and publicity for a good cause. So I've actually done this uh, a few times. We did a, 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 ran the length of Illinois in a week, a group of us did, um, which is 430 miles. Uh, and then we also did a, a, a charity run in Panama to raise money for a local school there. So, um, you know, the, I've discovered that the press, you know, loves these kind of feel good stories and it's something that I'm interested in doing. And, you know, what, you know, especially at this time, um, I've, I looked around and thought, what can I do 
to, you know, do something good. Uh, since I don't have any work, let's run across country. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, I, I just take more naps. I mean, but hey. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't know about you, but I'm getting tired of sitting in my apartment. So. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, I get that. I think also, um, from the, I've talked to a lot of runners during this time, and I think um, all of us have a little bit of a narcissist in us in that we're struggling <laughs> to stay relevant. And without races, you can't be like, oh, I did this race, you know? And so it's not, and I think what you've done is wonderful. I'm not saying this in a way, I think it's something we all struggle with that we all just want to feel like we're doing something important and, or something good for something else. But a little bit of it, you know, even, or a lot of it for some of us is like, I also want people to remember me, you know, like remember what I'm doing. And I think you've found a way to channel that in a pretty good way. You're raising money for a bunch of different organizations. I mean, you get to run in beautiful places. And um, so I think that, you know, in a small, like, in, in a small way, we're all, we're all feeling the same way. We all just want to find something to do that, you know, reminds us of like, oh, hey, I did that. And yeah, so... And I mean, you yeah, said been, the press loves a feel-good story, so, you know. Exactly. And it, it's been fun to watch, uh, since there isn't events, all the all the top runners are going after these FKTs, uh, and the records are falling all over the place, so mm -hmm. uh, it's kind of fun to watch. Yeah, it definitely is. I think, uh, I think the reason, I think it's two-part. It's like, for an FKT, you can go whenever you want. So you know when you're peaking and your body's ready to go. And that's when you should go. And I think that's one of the reasons they're all falling. You know, like people are like, well, I feel good now. I don't need to wait for two weeks for this race to happen. Um, but then also I, I love like what racing also brings that like you need to time it right. You need to be on your A game on that day. You need to have, you know. So um, I appreciate it all. Um, but uh, I'm someone I don't I just uh, – I'll wait till races come back and they come back safely. I'm not about racing right now. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's going to be a long road, so, but we might as well get outside. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like out, outside is not closed. So you did Western States in 2010. Can you tell me a little bit about that and your experience there? Um, that was a, a rough race for me. I was going in hoping to, to do maybe, 16, 17 hours, uh, ended up taking me 23. <laughs> so it was, uh, uh, rough, um, had, had some knee, pr knee troubles. Um, but it's a very inspiring race. Uh, the, the, the night before the race and the pre-race meeting, you look around and it's the fittest people in the world. Uh, and so it's, it's really inspiring and the whole town comes out for it. So, uh, you know, compared to most hundreds where it's, you know, literally just the people running it and their support crew, like this, there's a, you know, a huge amount of support and, uh, you know, getting to the track, uh, after struggling mightily over a couple mountain passes and snow and heat, uh, it's, uh, it's a, it's a lot of fun. So 16 to 17 hours is really fast. Um, and that year was the unbroken, unbreaking, unbroken, oh God, I can't speak. The year with Killian and Jeff Rose yeah. and Hal Corner. Um, yeah. When in the early miles, were you running with those guys? Oh no, they were ahead of me the entire way. <laughs> no, 
What was it like to be in, I mean, I guess you didn't know what was going down, but I mean, you know, those were the like original people, you know? Yep. Yeah. I was, I watched the documentary later and then realized, Oh, that was the race I was in, but I was miles and miles behind. (laughs) Uh, What kind of outfit did you go for? Did you go for the Killian like white spandex? Did you go for the Jeff Rose, like bald (laughs) mullet on top with like barely any clothes? Uh, I don't recall, but uh, but uh, they they have more style than I do. That's for sure. So you've been in the sport for a long time. You've seen fads come and go. Um, let's talk about shoes. Uh, have you you saw like the rise of like the really like minimal shoes, and then you know like the Anton, and then the really tall stack height shoes that now we have with Hoka, and I mean now we got like the Nike stuff going on, which that's more road, but. Um, are you, what kind of, do you have a, a preference or like, what do you do? Yeah, I've, I've really embraced uh, zero drop. Um, I discovered one of the Achilles problems was the injury I used to get. Uh, and I transferred to zero drop shoe and I now land on my front foot rather than my heel. Uh, and that's really helped me not get injured for, for several years now. Uh, and then I did. When we were running the length of Illinois, uh, I was just wearing regular running shoes. My feet were absolutely destroyed, uh, and I borrowed a friend's Hoka's. The first time I'd worn anything like that thick, those like huge fat shoes, and that saved my life. So uh, I've embraced the thick padding for any time that I do anything over 50 miles. So um, actually, I wear these i don't remember what, what they're called but I'm, I'm using these uh ultras that are pretty fat and i'm planning on using those for most of the most of the run across the us so i've i've uh appreciate the minimal i think i i, I probably should run with less more or try to go barefoot more to strengthen your feet i think there's some good science behind that but uh but if you're going to run 100 miles you kind of need to wear a shoe. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, there's a lot to be said with like, we have shoes because, you know, like back in the olden days, there weren't like (laughs) roads or concrete and stuff that we're running on. So, uh, you know, it's a little bit different. Like with technology comes more technology. It's like (laughs) create a problem, solve a problem. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate people that can go barefoot. Uh, like I said, I wish I, I probably should do it more, but uh, but not if you're on the road. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm a Crocs. I'm living my Crocs when I'm not in running <laughs> shoes and because they're plushy. I work on my feet and it's hard in there. Like we do have the um, pads on the ground, but you know, after I have to get like new Crocs. I'm in those. Oh God, it's great. Like no shame so protect your feet would it's like would you rather you know run barefoot and then either get injured or step on a twig or splinter whatever or run in normal shoes and be able to run i mean me it's like but i do think that when like we're walking around and stuff like at home when i'm not usually at work i have a pair of ultras and i wear them all the time like they're great i love the wide toe box that's my favorite part but then other times it's like too wide sometimes. And like when I'm trying to run really fast, they're not exactly the greatest shoe for speed. So, um, but great shoe, great company as well. Yeah. Um, so 
you it's so you have been running ultras for like about 15 years yes 2006 it is 2020 yeah um so tell me about something that like maybe stood out to you in this pet like what keeps you running ultras all the time and um what's your training look like um the main reason is just to see how far you could push yourself um you know i I just want to i like to test myself and see where things start to break down (laughs) uh you know what's What's your absolute limit? Uh, so it's it's certainly, uh, and I do am competitive and I do race, but it's mostly about seeing where the breakdowns are. Um, my training is I, I run quite a bit. Um, Hundred mile weeks is pretty pretty common. Try to get to the track once or twice and do quote unquote speed work. It's usually eight hundred repeats. Um, anything faster than that, and it feels like. Uh, or shorter than that i feel floppy uh, <laughs> yeah, but um and i do used to do some get warmed up for each thing that's i mean i need at least one lap of the track to get warmed up or i'm like <laughs> the first interval is a warm-up loop right coach like oh, yeah i really don't feel comfortable until i'm about five to seven miles in and then things then you start to actually get a rhythm <laughs> I used to be like that, but recently my runs have been 30 to 45 minutes and that, you know, for right now, for my life, that's good enough. Uh, you know, getting my little bit of juice in the morning. Um, what do you, like, how do you structure your week? Is it double runs or is it singles? Um, well, lately just whenever. (laughs) So, you know, working from home, all that sort of stuff. It's depends on what you had in the morning or evenings. Um, for a long time, I did doubles because uh, I ran to work and back uh, back when I was living in Chicago. So um, my main goal is to try to get at least 10 miles a day during the week. And then on the weekends, one or maybe two long runs of anywhere between 30 and 60 miles. Uh, and I found anything oh, farther than that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 50, 50 miles. <laughs> uh, pretty much. Yeah. So for a long, long time, it was, that was the standard on Saturday. I would just run all day until I had something I needed to do, like meet people for dinner or something like that. So depends on what the, what I had going on. So. All right. All right. Um, I take it. There's like, so what is your, like, is is your social life running as well? (laughs) Yeah. A lot of, a lot of my friends, especially in Connecticut, working for a marathon organization. Yeah, most of your friends end up being runners. Yeah, you could like um, hit but, a ball, but, like finish Johnny's run, then go to Susie's, then go to Daryl, then go to yeah. All right, you're yeah. like the ultimate training buddy. Like, how fast are you running at all these things? Um, general training pace, if it's just long, slow distance, is probably eight, eight thirty, um, and then try to get some speed work in. Uh, and it, it's a, it's a lot, but I don't own a car, so I go everywhere on foot. Okay. Which, which wasn't a big deal living in Chicago, but, uh, Connecticut's a little bit different. It's kind of a car heavy, but I've, I've managed it for over a year and a half. Nice. Nice. We have a van. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I've been renting it out, so it's usually not around and I hate to, hate to fire up the van for a, a, a few mile trip into town <laughs> so you might as well go on foot PR for a uh, hundred is it 1530 yeah that was this December in, in Las Vegas 
Was that a so? Is that like a pretty flat flat course, or is it hilly, or how is it? It, it was modestly hilly. Um, it was a two and a half mile loop, uh, okay. and um, it made me interested in potentially going to like six days in the dome, or you know, one of those uh, you know, tracks where it's you know best conditions to kind of see what what could I do in ideal conditions. Um, I, I surprised myself by being able to run under 16. Yeah, that's like, that's pretty incredible. That's super speedy. Um, have you had any like inclination to see what you could do like in a marathon or is that just not long enough? Um, you know, I don't, oops, are you still there? Yep. Sorry, my phone was beeping. Um, I, I'm, I'd be curious to try it again. My, my best marathon's not super great to something but my fastest marathon i actually did uh, during a 50 mile race oh interesting okay sorry a phone phone calls coming in <laughs> oh sorry <laughs> um wow which which 50 mile the lakefront yeah oh wow yeah, yeah i did a a um it's interesting what you can do when you're not thinking about it. So it was actually, it was around Halloween uh, and it was actually out at a party the night before this 50 mile race and uh, was planning on just going for a minute, like having a drink with people, saying hi to everybody and then going home early because I had a race that started at five o'clock in the morning. Uh, and I was there, had another drink, and then people are encouraging it to stay. And then next thing you know, it's three o'clock in the morning. Uh, and I finally go home, uh, get home, and then plan on just not running this race in the morning because I was tired, half drunk, uh, trying to go to sleep, uh, and then forgot that my friend was going to come pick me up for this 50 mile race. And I'm like, oh crap, well, he's coming all out of his way. I've got to get up. So on no sleep, I go to this race, and when it starts, it was immediately just me and one other guy running in first and second place. And uh, because I was drunk, um, I was just trying to keep up with him. He was a, a, a Division One um, cross-country athlete, and so much faster than me. Um, but because I wasn't thinking about it, I was keeping up with him. And then halfway through the race, I realized that I had just gotten my PR in a marathon, and I still had another marathon to go uh, <laughs> uh, and ended up uh, I think with a six hour 13 50 mile um, which was about 45 minutes faster than I had planned to run the race um, and so it just goes to show if you're if you're not thinking about it if you, you can act you're we're, we're much more capable than what we realize um, so I wouldn't recommend running inebriated and I don't think I'd do it again um, but it was uh, something that really kind of struck home to me that we're, we're capable of more than what we, what we realize. Um, so that was a, a lesson I learned the hard way, but. <laughs> hey, I mean, maybe like, sometimes I tell people the reason I like, I can wake up and run and run straight up a hill is because I'm asleep. And so by the time <laughs> I'm up the hill, I'm awake then. And I <laughs> so that's pretty cool. That's an experience of where you could do more than you're capable of. Where is some point where you bit off more than you can chew and it blew up in your face? Hmm. I guess probably Western States is a good one. <laughs> so, what happened? Um, well, it started off bad. 
so the Western States course starts at, uh, forget the name of the, the city, but you go up a, a ski slope is the very first thing. And at the top, this was a 2009, it was a snowy year uh, and was in the snow and slipped and fell and almost fell off the mountain right away. Um, bruised myself up, got a knee injury, and then continued to think that I was gonna be on pace even though I was limping from the beginning, um, get to the 50 mile mark and pretty much completely blew up from there. <laughs> so, that's what happens when you try to stick to a plan, uh, no matter what, uh, without adjusting your plans. Um, so I should have from the beginning realized that it was going to be a tough day and not try to keep on my goal pace. Uh, but that second half was, was gnarly. Couldn't, couldn't run downhill. Quads were shot everybody was passing me <laughs> sorry that was my phone please we're just wanted people today i don't know what it is nobody calls me um well that's 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 really interesting actually that happened to my friend jason too like he was like it's it's not often that an east coast runner gets into western states and um so when he got in a couple years ago you know we were all really excited and he was doing pretty good and then he yeah he blew up towards the end so kind of sucks uh, i don't know that that's another mindset thing like i don't know how uh, i'm trying to figure it out how you guys just slog it in for like six hours <laughs> How do you, why? Just, just takes practice. <laughs> yeah, right, seriously. So how do you practice for stuff like that? Like, have you ever gone on a training run where it just, you know, you blew up and just donezo? Um, yes. <laughs> yeah, it happens. And what do you uh, do? Well, you got to get home, right? <laughs> <laughs> so when I, first, when I first started training for ultras, I would basically just run as far from home as I could and then be exhausted and then turn around and have to go home. <laughs> right, you got to yeah. get back. So go as, far, go as far as you can and then go home. <laughs> you can start you really ever, racking up the miles that way. So what's the longest you've run so far? It depends on how you count it. Um, basically at one go. Yeah, um, the from Chicago to Indianapolis, that was probably the longest, which is 195, 200 miles. Um, it took about 50 hours, I think. Um, and I slept about, I can't remember, maybe 30 or 40 minutes on the second night. Uh, and so if you count that as, as one go. Um, I mean, people sleep in 200 mile races and I consider that the one go. Yeah, so I mean, then we did, the length of Illinois, that was 430 miles. Um, we ran from town to town and stayed in hotels. Uh, and so it depends on how you count that. That was like 60 something miles a day. Uh, that was pretty, pretty rough too. So um, I, I feel like I could, I could run 40 miles a day for a long time, but once you get up into 60, 70 miles a day, it starts to get really hard because you start using your whole day. <laughs> Did you watch or read anything about Ricky Gates run across America? I haven't, which is interesting. I've been, um, so preparing for the run across America, I've been talking to people that have done it, trying to read as much as I can. I talked to Marshall Ulrich this, this week. Um, uh, talked to, um, Jason Romero, who was the first, uh, blind runner to finish. They both did really heavy mileage. So it's been, been really useful to talk to people that have, 
that have done it and try to see what advice there is. Um, there's just so much compared to other runs that I've done. There's just a lot more logistics to this one, um, you know, especially during this time. Uh, so I want to make sure that we have everything we need and that you don't do something stupid in the desert and things like that. Well, what stood out to me is, so uh, in, Rich Roll interviewed Ricky Gates on his podcast, so I can actually send that to you, because that was a really good episode. And it talked That'd be great. About, what, sorry? That'd be great. Please and do. They talked a lot, not like a little bit about the training, but more about like the social issues and things that like, I don't know, I haven't studied your route too much, but there's a lot of political and social unrest in America. And um, I mean... I don't want to talk about like your political views or anything, but like, are you worried at all that you're going to come into some diverse, like divisive place, like someplace that, and even now more so like the mask issue and like Southern States just aren't doing super great, you know, and all these places, like you're kind of like running through places and you might be seen as a carrier and you know, it's so, I mean, there's a lot of things going on right now. Have you thought about that? Yeah, for sure. I mean, it, uh, when you're planning on going across the country right now, we have to be very considerate of what the situations are in each state, in each town. Um, you know, certainly we're, um, me and my crew are, are, you know, going to be wearing our masks, even if places are, are, are not. Um, the route is going to start in San Francisco, um, close to the Golden, uh, Golden Gate Park. Uh, and then you go through the California desert up through the Sierras, south of Tahoe, uh, then through Nevada, through northern Nevada. Um, and frankly, most of the time, if you're going through these areas, you're really not going to see anybody. So we're, we're extraordinarily socially distanced, um, except for when you got to stop for supplies. Uh, and uh, fortunately, I have Stop and Shop as a sponsor of, of mine. So we're going to have it loaded up with food as much as possible. So the only things that hopefully we're, we're going to need is is gas and sometimes groceries um and the rest of the route will go through utah um south of salt lake city uh up through the rockies uh, i know a lot of people in boulder so going to go through boulder um, we're staying out of major cities except for chicago uh, and cleveland um, but you go north of denver through nebraska through iowa illinois and through chicago which is where i lived off and on for over 17 years so just know a lot of people there and then across indiana ohio pennsylvania and then we're back here to the east coast so so definitely you know thinking about the current situation um, but for the most part we're going to be way far away from people <laughs> yeah and i think ricky gates was self-supported so he like pushed uh, uh truly i think that's what it's called and so he was stopping at gas stations and stuff and it was very interesting because of course i come from the perspective like he probably met a bunch of racists and a bunch of people and i mean but he also said like some of the nicest people also that like really helped him out were in the south and you know stuff like that and so i really it's going to be a wonderful experience just if you do like i mean it kind of stinks that you're not going to be meeting people as much you know like um because what an experience to really like dis like 
you see all the videos, the viral videos of the crazy people. And so you think that all people are like that from that area, right. but they're not. It's just like a random, you know, Karen or Chad or whoever we're, whatever we're saying. <laughs> right now. Yeah. Well, I, I, uh, I generally believe that the vast majority of people are, are, are good no matter their political ideology. Um, and uh, uh, there is the random crazy people that you got to deal with. Um, but uh, for the most part, I think, you know, it's, it's positive. So I'm looking forward to seeing, seeing the country. I've driven across the country several times in the van and, and some other things. Um, and I've ran in nearly all states. Um, but this will be the first time to go from state to state. <laughs> so let's talk about a little bit like getting out of the van. So when I lived in my van, sometimes like in driving places, like, do you just like park the van, get out and go run somewhere? Or like, I mean, I assume you mostly stop at trails and stuff like that. But sometimes like I would get so stiff in the van. And when I got out, I was just like, I can barely even walk. And I was like a floppy bag of jello. And so um, how does it work? Like, what do you do? What's your procedure? Uh, you mean for the run across the United States? Or? No, I mean, just in general. Um, well, when I was living in the van, I was living, uh, uh, my girlfriend and I, we were traveling uh, around. Um, going to races. I had clients all over the United States. So we go to festivals and uh, go to national parks uh, and uh, just, you know, try to get out at least once a day and get a run in no matter where you are. Uh, you know, it's a lot of times you would, you would try to make that in, you know, state parks, national parks, but sometimes you run around a Walmart parking lot, you know, it just depends, on, depends on the day. Like we're not talking about like two or three miles. Your runs are like hours. Yeah, it, it was not always easy doing van life that way. Um, but uh, when you have a home base, it is a little bit easier to get the, the distance in. Also, like whenever I left, unless I knew like the place I was leaving my van was secure, like I, I like so my whole life is in there, you know, it's like, <laughs> it's another jarring thing. Sometimes the anxiety would just eat away at me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess. I probably should have been more worried about it, but no, we never lost it. Like really, <laughs> and then again, I am like a young white female, like a young white small female, so I'm just like a little different. But now, yeah. like I live on the upstairs of an apartment, and my downstairs neighbors rough enough around the edges, nobody's gonna bother us. <laughs> yeah, I don't have much much of anything that's valuable anyway, so. Are you going to keep a log of, uh, like, so you have a hashtag. So let's start talking about the trip. So again, you're running across the country, starting in San Francisco, coming to back to Connecticut. Uh, you posted it about on Facebook. What's it called? Shans run across America. Is that what it's called? Yep. And so yep. is that the hashtag there? Are you on Instagram? Uh, yes, exactly. So, and our website, we're going to launch pretty soon. Um, fortunately I've got a, my crew chief, Callie, she's uh, a marketing professional, um, as am I. And so we're leveraging our, our talents to try to raise as much awareness so that we can get a lot of focus on food share and feeding America, which is the charities that we're supporting. Uh, and uh, so hashtag is Shan Runs Across America. Uh, we're, uh, so I, hopefully you can post, when, when this posts, the, our website should be ready. So. Um, there'll be places for yeah, people to hopefully donate there and next week or the week following. So perfect. It'll, it'll so, coincide with when you leave. So perfect. Yeah. It'd be, 
that'd be great. And I, I think especially during this time, it's helpful just to have, for me, it's, it'll be helpful just to be able to go clear my mind and get away from all the terrible news that's in the news these days, but hopefully it can also give an inspiring story to people that need it. Uh, and, and also really want to raise money for, for food share, um, uh, food, uh, need has gone up uh, by about 30% uh, this year. Uh, and at the same time, grocery stores have less food to give. Uh, so it's a really critical point for um, food uh, charities and groups that support food insecurity. So um, hopefully I'm going to shine a light as much as I can on that because it's, uh, uh, you know, it's one of the, it's a critical point in, in this whole 2020. Yeah, um, I can speak to that because I work for um, a local bakery and um, sandwich shop. And in the beginning of the pandemic, like I already have an issue with waste. Like I will eat everything, like as much as I can of ever. Like I hate throwing things away. Like even if it's like might pee past the like past its prime, I've gotten food poisoning from it before. Like I I just hate waste. <laughs> it's like a huge sticking point with me. That's like one pet peeve. And so in the beginning of the pandemic, unfortunately like being part of a restaurant and bakery is there is waste. And so what we started to do, and I'd like to think that this was my idea, but I'm not going to like steal anyone's fire. Um, <laughs> we started to give away all the stuff at the end of the night. And now people in the community come and like get it. And yeah, it has, it's a little bit like, you know, choosy beggars a little bit. It's become that situation sometimes, but at the end of the day, I'm really happy that somebody's eating the food. So I definitely understand about how, you know, some people are in dire situations. I mean, like unemployment benefits ended in the end of July. Like they're not going to be as big, like evictions are happening. You know, people can't, it's hard to get food now for some people. So it's really important what you're doing. And I'm really happy that you chose that charity. Yeah. And there's some people that, you know, didn't, aren't able to get some of the unemployment and the stimulus money. Uh, especially immigrants and and uh, people with disabilities, uh, so there's there's a huge need and it's only growing. Uh, so uh, you know, just want people to realize that. And you know, if you can't donate money, maybe donate time. Uh, I'm I'm going to Rinchler Field tomorrow morning, uh, where Food Share has been delivering food uh, Monday through Friday for for months on end now. Uh, and you know, there didn't used to be that kind of necessity. Uh, so it's um, yeah, just just something I hope that people can realize if even if even if you have food, um, there are people down the street. Could be your neighbor. Could be somebody that you would never expect to have that kind of need. Um, but maybe during this time they're struggling, and a lot of people don't like to talk about it. Um, I think sometimes people think that you know, the food insecure are, you know, the homeless. Um, but it's, it's much, much bigger problem than that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So switching gears a little bit, you run a lot and you spend most of your time running. And so I'm kind of wondering, I mean, you could train for these events and not have to run that much, or you could do something else with your time. Are you running from something? Like, do you have any like demons in the back there that are just like compelling you to to do this? Or so you know, ultra runners have demons. Do you come from addiction? No, um, no. It's uh, I 
consider myself to be a happy adjusted person <laughs> as far as I know. Uh, <laughs> um, and it, it really is just about trying to see what my own limits are. Uh, and once you do something really, really hard, it makes the other hard things in your life easier. So when you, if you, once you've run a hundred mile race, waking up and getting, getting ready to go to work, it's le- you can't really have an excuse. <laughs> well, yeah, but you could get that same feeling after running 30 to 45 minutes. Like, cause I had that too. I was like, Oh, if it's not over an hour, is it really a run and stuff? And like, I took a week off cause I was feeling tired. I mean, it was the end of a training cycle and I was just tired. And then now coming back to it just this past couple days, like 30 to 45 minutes is what my coach is giving me. And I'm like, that's like all I need to be my happy, peppy self to like believe in myself. So like, you know, what is, what is it that it's like, it needs to be three hours. That's, that's a good point. You mean for, if you're doing it for your health, uh, 30 to 45 minutes is probably the right amount of, of time. Uh, so there's absolutely no need to go out for three, four, five, 10, 24, 48 hours. Um, that's, uh, I always tell people that the the training for an ultra marathon is healthy. The races almost certainly are not, because <laughs> you are a mess. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Well, that's great. I mean, I guess not everybody needs to have a, something they're running from. Are you running towards anything? Do you have any goals? Um, running across America. Run across America, get to the end of 2020. How's that? Yeah, that's <laughs> actually goal. a very good goal. That's the only goal we should all have. <laughs> With new leadership, I think uh, that's our goal. Fingers crossed. Vote. So, why don't you give everybody? Oh, actually, so before we do that, we're going to play a game. It's called Ideal Aid Station. And <laughs> okay. so I'm going to ask you a couple of fun questions and just think of the first thing that pops into your mind. So, Ideal aid station. You're coming to an aid station. What is your favorite sweet snack? None. I don't, I don't, I'm not really a big sweets person. Anything. A muffin. All right, there you go. That's fine. Favorite salty snack? Boiled potatoes. Yes. Salts, salted ones. (laughs) Um, Favorite hot food? Uh, Soup. What kind? Tomato. Oh, really? Oh, I've never had that. I'm more of like a chicken noodle, like a ramen, like that fake shit. Like, give me the MSG. <laughs> Aid station food is the worst. It is. It is. <laughs> like, want to kill someone, go to an aid station. Um, <laughs> uh, favorite uh, sports drink? Tailwind. Favorite non-sports drink? Diet Coke. Oh, interesting. Just for, <laughs> for what? Because it doesn't do anything. I got hooked on it. So now, now instead of coffee, I have Diet Coke in the morning. <laughs> oh, 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 God. Okay. <laughs> All right. At your aid station? Like Diet yeah. Coke? Yep. But, like, isn't the allure of Coke, like, because it so gives you some juice? Yeah. Once you get, once you get uh, the sucralose or whatever. Yeah. Re- oh. Real sugar, real sugar tastes terrible to me, but the fake sugar is good. <laughs> So strange. <laughs> so you need to be evaluated. Um, a piece of gear or item that you would want at your aid station waiting for you. Uh, new shoes. Oh, okay. You change your shoes frequently during races? No, not really. In fact, I rarely change anything. 
so I'm, I'm kind of a gear minimalist. I don't yeah. wear a watch usually, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, I've never like been a big gear person. Um, so just give me some like squirrels, nut butter, petroleum jelly, whatever, and I'm fine. Yes, yes, two times that. That stuff. That, two times it actually be a, occasionally an extremely important um, gear item. <laughs> All right, last question. Uh, if you could have a celebrity or a famous person or somebody to meet you at the aid station, just to give you a little pep, or even if they were able to share some miles with you, who would it be? Uh, you know, I'd probably be Marshall Ulrich. Oh, okay. He's doing bad. Did, did he do the Badwater Quad? He did Badwater Quad. He's kind of known as Mr. Badwater. Uh, yeah. And um, I was fortunate to be able to talk with him this week and, uh he at 57 years old ran across the country one of the best times ever and is just a tough and also very nice person mm -hmm. so uh if, especially if it's at an aid station somebody like that and i have a lot of other friends that would be uh also very good people to meet at an aid station at a tough time that's cool um, well, those are all my questions for Ideal Aid Station. And uh, to close out the interview, which thank you for doing this again and taking your time, I'm uh, I'm thrilled because when you said Hartford Half Marathon, don't, did I meet him? Like, who knows? Maybe I did. <laughs> we um, may have. Yeah, I mean, who knows? And it, if we, if our paths ever meet again, it will probably be at that event. So I don't know yeah. if I'm going to be running across America. Uh, and I'm signed up for the the Hartford Marathon, Half Marathon, 10K, and 5K. It's going to happen virtually this year. So. Uh, I can, I will probably be somewhere in maybe Utah right, yeah. <laughs> or Colorado, but, I, um, but you can, I could still, it'll be the first time I can actually run an HMF event um, and it won't even be in Connecticut. So if they, um, when things open back up and stuff, um, are you going to go back? Uh, I, I don't know. It doesn't look like it. So okay. I'm searching for work. So if anybody hears this needs a sponsorship marketing professional, I am currently looking for a job. All right. Well, uh, you heard it here first, folks. Trust Collective. <laughs> um, where can people find you on Instagram and online? Yeah. So just Shan Riggs. It's S-H-A-N and R-I-G-G-S. And you can find all my social the, our website's uh, shanrunsacrossamerica.com, uh, and uh, I, I, I'm have a relatively unique name, so it's easy to find. Yes, it, it is. All right, well, thank you so much, Shan, and good luck. And I'll let you know when this comes out. And in the meantime, I'll do my best to like you know plug it when I can. You know, I'm not. You know, I gotta. I, it's not. It's some things are going on up there, but sometimes I forget. So, and also feel free to like push and be like, oh hey, could you shout this out? And I totally will. So, yeah, totally great. Sounds good. Well, have All a good right. rest of your day, Shan. Thank you. Nice to talk to you. Bye.